the final frontier. The stories came, contained within this content are the after 5 p.m. and before 8 p.m. escapades of a middle-aged space nerd with a fro. Continuing to talk about things that only interest me for bonus content. I will talk about space news, pop culture in space and shop talk, ramen, and break down the latest episode of Star Trek, whatever is coming out from the latest franchise. And also whatever is popping in my head. If you're up for this journey, just know that this is a metered, shade-laced opinion. If you don't agree, don't subscribe, but I hope you will. And thanks for the support. four years of I believe prime um, content that I don't think people have gotten or have not been privy to because it's been deep and deep some of the stuff has been erroneously archived um, but I'm glad to be able to use most of it because where I reinvent the wheel when I have and I can talk about things that are still relevant today and without a lot of um, effort on my part. I am still looking for sponsorships, sponsors, partnerships, and I'm just glad that I am, I got deep. I'm like the print, I got deep content pockets, meaning I got to pull out a lot of things and just reuse, remix, and re-edit. Uh, for my listeners' pleasure. And again, this is really not free. It takes my time and it takes my effort. And I would like to be rewarded for my effort. So if you like what you hear, please uh, put five on it. Click the sponsorship link, subscription, Apple subscription link in the podcast notes. And just thank you for listening and continue. Please support the show. I would like to go on um, still creating dope and unique content, but I can't go on forever, especially if I'm not being paid for it. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff. Liftoff. Americans return to space as Discovery clears the tower. For the fact that I get to create something positive, um, what makes me happy and what I find positive is my nerd games and um, the images of the week. This previous week, um, NASA, you know, has become a hybrid between commercial or uh, privately owned companies and the government. I think the government squandered. Is that a good way to say that? A potential moneymaker before the Elon Musk of the world took over the rocket program and assisted them to get back to the moon and beyond. With that said, even before that happened, there is so much beauty in space. When If you could think that the Hubble telescope was such a big waste of money and time. I don't think you've ever were encouraged or took it upon yourself to navigate to nasa.gov to basically see some of the images and the uh, images and the uh, artist renditions of uh, the solar systems that are available to us just because we're citizens of the world. This week was more poignant because I was like, oh, this is a cute, cool constellation. And come to find out, it's the freaking Virgo constellation. 
which is over 50 million light years from Earth. It would take us 100 billion years to get out to that mug. And I got my astrological sign constellation is there for the world to enjoy. It is absolutely gorgeous. And I'm going to read from you. It just took me by surprise how beautiful this is. It's filled with all my favorite colors. Um, and I just think it's just amazing. So the quality of this image has never been debated. Uh, the constellation or the galaxy itself is called NGC 4535. And it was actually discovered in the 50s. The different colors and the renditions, when you view it with a smaller telescope, um, it has a hazy, ghostly um, appearance to it. And that led to Leland Copen back in the 50s naming it the Lost Galaxy. It ain't lost. It's Virgo, child. Stop it. Um, the bright colors in the image um, are so beautiful to look at, and it just tells us about the population of stars within this uh, bared spiral galaxy. The bright bluish colors are nestled um, in the uh, spiral arms, and it indicates a presence of a greater number of younger and hotter stars. Um, in contrast, the yellow tones of this galaxy bulge suggest that this central area is home to stars which are older and cooler. And it kind of cracks me up if our Milky Way um, looks, if I were a nerd sitting in Virgo's constellation, would the Milky Way look this beautiful? I don't know because I, I haven't had, I, I can't see that perception. I would hope it would be. Because I'm here because I'm beautiful. But anyways, um, but I also, this galaxy is being studied um, as part of uh, physics, high angular resolution, um, nearby galaxy survey. It's called the FANGS. Um, it's to clarify the links between cold gas clouds, star formations, and overall shape and other properties of the galaxies, which if you're trying to plan a mission to another galaxy or even to another planet within our galaxy, you can extrapolate some of that information for safe landings of human, ex for human exploration or to send in robots. I'm just saying there's going to be so much uh, wealth of information that we're going to be gathering from the FANGS survey that's going to be applicable to as we explore the, explore and map the moon as well as get to Mars and any other nearby, um, any other nearby planet. So I'm, I'm, I'm all into that. Also, um, this previous week, um, they did a, um, uh, hot, test fire of the booster rockets that are going to uh, launch us um, to these constellations, hopefully. Um, there was a successful uh, test of the B-2 rocket. Um, there was an eight-minute, this was just back on the 16th, um, out at Stennis in St. Louis, Mississippi. Hmm, I'm supposed to be in Mississippi um, in two weeks. I don't think that I'm anywhere near, I'm going to be anywhere near to basically um, see these types of tests going on. But it also goes back to the fact that the space program has continued to proceed with spots in the Gulf, um, and which makes sense because the fuel that they need to test these boosters um, probably are made of a combination of petroleum uh, products that they pump out of the Gulf. So hats off to them. I think, uh, the space program is still good money for everybody to make. And you don't have to be Elon Musk to be able to share in it all. Um, I also learned about the hot fire and the green test series. This is a comprehensive assessment of each stage of these rockets and their contribution to get us back to the moon in Artemis One program. Um, in my notes uh, for the podcast, um, I have the 
probably this rocket that they just tested last week um, as they were standing it up um, to go through this test fire. So it's pretty amazing. Um, human ingenuity, um, I can't wait. And I, that makes me, propels me to want to be healthy enough and sane and lucid enough because when we get, is it two years? I know we're, you know, International Space Center, um, in that space station, but 2023, it's only like two years. I need to survive because I want to see us land back on the moon. I think it's exciting because that's just one of many stages to get us to Mars. And I would love um, to be around um, to uh, watch the first landing to Mars. Speed of beside, I think the round trip uh, will take maybe take eight years unless we um, go be able to go to warp speed. I mean, that's just a no brainer. Um, but at the same time, I'm just excited about the images and the life, um, and to be able to show, share those details, uh, with a listening audience and with them showing, you know, sharing it with us. Um, who could ever have imagined me doing this podcast as well as, um, possibly, uh, colonizing, um, space, but without taking the prejudices and the problems that plague us here on earth. I mean, I had to put that in, I guess, but who knows? I don't know what people think that I do, or meaning I don't know what people think that I do all day. Um, Most days I lead a pretty boring life, I think. I would think if you were looking in, um, the, my biggest thing is now that I absolutely have a kitchen, I absolutely like to cook, but I hate to clean up. So I find myself, um, (laughs) I find myself when I'm not fussing with my dog um in my kitchen just figuring out or trying different things um a couple months ago actually let's go back a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic before i even sold my place sis in north carolina that even sounds weird to me i had ordered um, a bunch of beef to put in my deep freezer uh, in North Carolina. That's one of the things that I'm um, sad that I left behind. I had an upright deep freezer, and I didn't bring it with me. Um, one of the things, it stayed in storage. It would have had to stay in storage for almost a year, so kind of glad I didn't, but smarter thing one of the smarter things that i did was um was absolutely um buy a couple hundred dollars worth of beef and it was probably one of the smartest things that i did because right after that um and the delivery the pork and beef industry um, came to a head when a lot of the um, plants had to shut down uh, because workers were falling sick, truckers were falling sick, the supply chain um, and shipping and logistics uh, went all to hell. So not only was I able to get beef from Omaha Steaks at a reasonable price at that time, um, I was actually able to get it before the shipping industry and the big uh, industrial complex that is the massive meat packers, uh, all that shit went to hell. 
it was one of those um, things that I did and I did well, et cetera, et cetera. So I packed, put all that stuff on, I put all the stuff on ice what, when I absolutely sold my properties and I moved um, to Tennessee. And then I closed on this property here on Forest um, at the beginning of the summer of June. Um, and I didn't have a lot left and I knew I wanted to get a re-up. So I was watching TV and there's actually um, a local uh, old school butcher, Ed, uh, Ed's um, Butchery in um, Hickson. That's when I also found out like a lot of the stuff that I depend on is in Hickson of all places, the most MAGA rich place, but I didn't see that anywhere on their site. Um, because I say that to say this, because if I had saw some uh, Trump positive crap on the site, I wouldn't have above, I wouldn't have bought from them. But I don't know if they're just smart, but they basically ain't trying to mix uh, business uh, with some political ideas. And I'm actually grateful for that. But not too long after moving here, I basically I was able um, to go up to good old Ed's and go up to Ed's and um, purchase um, at least several months of locally sourced, I'm hope again, locally sourced beef products here again, right before the, um, meat industry and logistics, um, took a nosedive or went to hell once more as a, we continually try to emerge from this Panama Panera bread. And that's what I, and I say all of that to say the background of what I'm cooking for my Sunday dinner. Um, I wanted to make it clear. My plan today is, I just really thought of this. I'm having braised beef tips. I don't really like the taste of like sherry or wine based. Uh, but I think I'm going to have to hook that up. So I get rid of this cooking wine, just saying, or the rest of that uh, Malbec over there um, that I actually have, and I can open up a fresh bottle. I think that's going to be good, but I just looked up online the best way to cook beef ribs. Um, it's low and slow. Um, if you're going to braise them, you get the pan hot, use a cast iron skillet if you have one, um, and you just basically brown it on all sides. You can follow it up with cooking. After you set them to rest, um, you can then um, cook. If you're going to cook like vegetables after that, I'll probably see. I don't have any mushrooms. Got to throw those away but I'll probably um, sear some of those scallions I have in there. Um, and no, I'll probably save that for last, but I'll actually then go ahead and um, braise them um, as suggested online by one of the chefs. I don't think she's an amateur chef. I just think I like her um, recipe because it's very simple. Um, season up salt and pepper, but I actually use a meat tenderizer braise, um, or brown the short ribs on all sides. Um, add the braising liquid. Um, I'm going to use a combination of beef stock. And as I said, the red wine, I'm not going to add too much, probably going to add a little bit less. 
um, then fill the pan up to a little bit less if they're laying flat, a little bit less than half. Um, and then I'm gonna cook them on 200 um, and check the temperature. Um, I w I've decided to cook it that way, low and slow, and check the, follow the temperature because I don't want to overcook it because I don't want the, I don't want the um, beef tips to actually um, shrink too much. And then I'm going to cook up some, um, I have some mashed potatoes that I'm going to, I am going to use a little bit of um, the scallions and the um, garlic. And I'm going to re-whip those potatoes because I also have some cream in there. Um, get them nice and smooth and then top them with the braised short ribs and mashed potatoes. That's how I'm actually going to do Sunday dinner. And I hope those pictures are going to make you want to lick your screen um, because that's the whole intent. If I'm going to cook from home, at least the food needs to look good. I'm just saying, y'all. Say what, say what, we ready, say what, say what, we ready for y'all. We ready, we ready for y'all. Say what, say what, say what, we ready, uh-huh, uh-huh, we ready, go ahead, y'all. everybody and their cousin is on the sidelines now granted the cowboys did win a resounding they basically punked new england they started looking like the old cowboys and everybody including myself was concerned that we were going to be looking crazy uh with zeke elliott starting out as a patriots but it looks like they couldn't their quarterback couldn't get anything running in their uh, game, uh, even with Zeke in the lineup. The bromance between Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott still looked like it was uh, intact in spite of them playing on opposite teams. I don't think, I think they're, they actually had a real friendship and it still is evident in their interaction on the field. And that's, but it didn't keep, us running the game up on them 38-3, just saying. But I don't know about what's coming up for this week as we go up against San Fran because, you know, these are the same mugs that basically kept us out of the playoffs last year. And everybody and their cousin is hurt. This is a list of who's hurt now. I don't know who's going to be playing. I think they're going to have to be bringing out the practice squad and the water boy and the kicker just because every fourth string, everybody, because everybody is on the injury list. We got Chuma Idoga, his knee, he out. Big head Zach Martin, he get a raise, he's still out for thigh injury. My boy, C.D. Lamb, I still got to get his uh, throwback. He has rest because his knee jacked up. Demarcus Lawrence. Why he out? Wait a minute. Why is Demarcus Lawrence out? I'm going to have to look that up. Tyrone Smith, Peyton Hendershot, Damon Clark, Rick, Rico Duato. I didn't even know he played for us. Stefan Gilmore, Malik Hooker, Micah, Micah, seriously? Damn. Oh, this is funny. I just want to mention him because I like his name. Y'all remember Debo from Friday? But Debo Samuel, he has his ribs, and he took shots, rib knees. He out, too. That's for San Francisco. But why is – let's go back, though, because something don't sound right. Why is Demarcus Lawrence on the injury list? Why 
is Demarcus Lawrence not playing? Uh, for, oh, no, that's 21st. Foot injury? Is this right? They said it was not injury related. Oh, that's 2018. Uh, not playing or didn't practice this week. It doesn't say he didn't participate. He fractured his foot. Maybe they're still resting it. I don't know. I just want him to be back um, in full effect. We need, it's just, this is the thing. Also, is the um, stadium in, because we played, where did we play? Where did we play them last week? We played them um, at our stadium. Is uh, AT&T Stadium artificial turf or grass? You think I would know since I went to six games there. Helix Matrix Turf is artificial turf. Maybe that is maybe that is what led to all these injuries. And maybe they should reconsider putting grass down in the stadium because of all of these injuries. They spent a billion on it. I thought after if you ever go to um AT&T Stadium, it does look like uh, something out of something extraterrestrial. I actually went to one game at Texas Stadium when it was in Irving and this one in Arlington. And I think they really, I'm with reconsideration of using AstroTurf or artificial turf because of its association with injuries. Um, And we can see almost the entire um, defensive line is almost on the sidelines from practicing on that bullshit and from playing on that bullshit. So with that said, dear Jerry, consider switching to grass. Take some of that money, invest it into switching to grass and keep it pushing. I'm just saying. have to have a kind of palate cleanse because I've been watching or binge watching um, Snapped. And these people are some of the most privileged, sadistic white folks I've ever seen in my life. That's why I'm so glad that I get the opportunity to nerd out on stuff like Star Trek. So in this episode, 
the ending of uh, Star Trek Discovery, it was about two weeks ago. Um, Storyline was whack. Special effects were awesome. But I, so therefore, I don't have any Star Trek logs um, for your listening pleasure this week. So I made this section basically, um, it's emphasizing all of the different ships of Star Trek. Um, in, in fact, um, one of the main ships it, that popped up in my feed was, uh, future enterprise D and the defiant. I am such a fan of DS nine and that little ship itself and the artist renditions on Star Trek Online are right on point. And then I, while I was kind of scrolling through the feed uh, for the ships of Star Trek, I started seeing little niggles about um, the next season of Picard because I realized at the end of that much anticipated series that they had already announced the renewal of like for the the second season. And they had already started talking about the third season, but I haven't seen anything as far as, um, fan dumb talking about that series. But before I get to that, and that comes, this is where this particular ship comes to. There is a, the Dakahini, which is a warbird, which, um, is a, uh, just a beautiful warbird that you can see in Star Trek Online, which makes me think that I really need to get back into that, um, video game because I haven't played it in a number of months, as well as an artist rendition of the 1701. I didn't enter into that contest and no, I didn't win the stupid pin, but this, be- this um, particular ship is very beautiful. <clears throat> so that's when I found out not about only about ship, the 1701, but also there is a reimagined intro to Star Trek Voyager, which is another um, spinoff of the series. And I thought it was just very, very pretty amazing. And you can actually watch it in its entirety um, because I've posted the YouTube link um, in my blog. So then it came to the fact that I'm not one of those fans that is having convulsions that Star Trek Discovery is over, but I'm looking forward to, um, there is, uh, 1701, uh, where Christopher Pike actually, um, is one of the captains of the original Enterprise, but also, um, as I was saying, you know, Picard has, was supposed to already drop. Uh, there have been nothing in the news about uh, when they actually wrap production on season two because of COVID. Um, and when is the season two that evidently CBS already bought before season one wrapped? So you can give us some whack crap like um, the stand, but you can't tell us with the most much much anticipated Picard is going to drop. I don't understand that at all. We know who's going to come back. Uh, but this teaser is crazy because everybody is in this teaser. Jordy, um, Dr. Uh, Crusher is in this bitch. John Luke Picard looks really good for 2000 year old white dude. We'll be supposed to come back because, uh, Picard went on the view to ask her and she said, yeah, um, I'm just, but at the same time, there's also some parallels with the ship itself, the the defiant, um, the defiant was basically put into service to basically, uh, fight the Jim Hadar, um, which is a, the fighting army for, um, the, oh, what is that? Um, Odo's people, the dominion. So I love the Star Trek deep space nine because it was before discovery. It was one of the only other series, which was anchored by a black man, um, as, um, 
a commander and as a captain. Um, Avery Brooks played that part and he played it well. Um, I thought uh, his new look and the new uniform, gray uniforms, with his bald head and goatee, he basically grew into the part. What And it made sense because it became full circle because I think it was season seven that he was actually um, descendant from a Bajoran prophet for the nerds of the Star Trek verse. Deep Space Nine is several hundreds of light years in the Gamma Quadrant by a group of people likened to maybe Judaism have a whole bunch of prophets. There is a wormhole that connects the Gamma Quadrant to the rest of the uh, universe. On the other side of that quadrant is a warlike but shape-shifting uh, group of people called um, the Dominion ran by that and the Jem'Hadar are their muscle. Um, the Bajorans, the, the, the prophets are a group of aliens or whatever that basically uh, keep the um, the are gatekeepers of this connection between the two worlds. And they basically stood by as the Bajorans were subjugated by the Cardassians. Um, the Federation comes in, they basically take over, kick the Cardassians out, uh, take over Deep Space Nine, this space, um, and, um, protect the Bajorans and the rest of the Alpha Quadrant from the marauding um, Dominion and the Jem'Hadar. All of this unbeknownst to uh, Benjamin Sisko, as he goes through Starfleet, uh, he is raised by a single father, and who the lady who he thinks is his mom is only a stepmother, in a restaurant in New Orleans. He has a... Uh, he almost dies, I think, I can't re vaguely remember, but he goes back to Earth soul-searching, and that's when he discovered his true origins. His mother is a Bajoran prophet who basically wants to experience all that it is to be a human. She has Cisco, and she orphans him in on Earth with the dad. Very Mary uh, and Joseph. And his dad, Joe? Wait a minute. I have to look up. I'm going to have to look that up. That's very um, immaculate conception. Who, what is Ben Sisko's father's name? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> He is Joseph Sisko, y'all. This is so... That is what always tripped me out about Battlestar Galactica as well as Star Trek and even Star Wars. The uh, political connotations, but also the religious connotations. How in the world? Mary, um, who is a prophet, um, her mother, she actually has the Sisko or Benjamin Sisko um, and she goes back to glory. I can't even, y'all tripping me out now. I just realized because, of course, Jesus' dad is Joseph. I can't even. I'm just, I'm too thrilled with Star Trek. Y'all killing me. Um, 25 years later, I'm tripping out about Star Trek and all the religious connotations. But I say all of that to say is, um, I'm, I was, I'm really digging, um, Star Trek, and if you see some of my posts uh, with food, you see my Bajoran um, um, communicator because I always really love that particular series. I'm thinking about rewatching it before either Picard or something else um, drops. Um, the new series um, featuring um, the Enterprise with um, Captain Pike, but I want to explore. Um, the whole 
uh, Christianity and religious connotations with the Bajoran prophets, the Cisco, and a black man and his mama. Um, I wonder if she's her name is Marion because that would just be too much for me. So let me look this up too. What is Ben Cisco's mother's name? Because if her name is Marion or Marauder, something that is equivalent with Mary, I'm gonna freak freak out. Sarah, who is that Abraham? I don't know. But at least it's not Mary, though, because that would have been just way too much for me. But she was the mother of nations also. That that name um, does ring, uh, have a religious bell to it, too. That just blew me away. But it also led me to a variety um, article that was published in 2018 where all of the previous um, stars posed for pictures. A lot of these stars are dead. Um, like Rene Abajanis, um Odo, he passed away of cancer, I believe, not too long after this picture, this article came out. I see the first and second um, trills. The first one actually was more prettier, um, and she... What was her name? Esri Dax. And because um, I'm looking at her now, um, Jadzia Dax, <clears throat> the Dax Trills, um, as well as Major Kira and Quark. Um, at first, I was like, who are these old white people? And then it took me a minute and stopped drinking for a minute to basically realize who all of these characters were and how I was just blown away that number one, I could remember them because it took me a minute to remember the Dax trills, but how all of these characters played such a role in my make-believe life because I love this series. And I didn't realize just until today how much I did because I remember all of these characters' names. Um, the showrunners don't really care about, but then I realized that there's a picture of um, um, the Ferengi, um, Nog. He passed away from renal cancer, but this is his dad's wife, um, the Bajoran, who I can't remember her name to save my life, but she actually looks pretty fly. Um, it's Aaron Eisenberg who played Nog. He passed away um, not too long ago. And then there's Terry Farrell, um, the original Dax, Jadzia Dax, with Michael Dorn, um, who played Worf, who looks pretty skinny in this picture. Um, I hope pancreatic cancer, prostate cancer didn't take him. And then what flipped me out is I was looking at this character. I was like, his face looks familiar. Go do freaking cot is still alive, y'all. He is sitting here chilling in his sneakers, sitting next to the way the guy that played all the way Youngs and different um characters, at least seven, eight different. I think he also played an Andorian too, which cracked me up. But the character Jeffrey Combs also played Wei Young. These are two of the most quintessential characters on besides um the Kai who I can't stand and I'm glad that Gold Ducat took her crazy ass out. But um the Wayun character, Gold Ducat, and then uh Sirog Lofton who played Cisco's son, he is fine now. He a big dude, as well as Penny Johnson that paid that played um his uh last wife um, Ben Cisco's last wife, she still looks the same. This was only two, three years ago. So black don't crack. And, and these characters are just absolutely so cool and so beautiful. That I, it, it just wants me to go sit and relook at the seven series of this groundbreaking, um, series itself. I don't, know or think that Star Trek Discovery is going to have um, this long of a run. Because if you look on Star Trek Online and some other fan chats, you know, it's not like Star Trek Discovery is really breaking any grounds, except if it's a black female woman. 
But then you look at the the leader of Deep Space Nine because it followed the next generation. Is it is it so outside of the Star Trek verse that it's a prequel or a sequel that you're just so mad because it's so different? But y'all need to stop tripping because it really isn't. They did all of this in the nineties with um, I'm a Deep Space Nine. And you could, it was obvious that they spent the money and they had great writers in the Berman brothers, because I look at the, 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 the special effects, um, and the storylines were a little bit whack and it got even worse when they let the actors and actresses, you could, it was obvious that they let them motherfuckers write the scripts and some of the fan authors write them scripts in the last season but all the previous six seasons were even a bomb. And it wasn't until they got the, it sounds seems like it didn't until they got the original writers back and they basically closed it up to a certain extent that it was going to go out with a bigger of a bang. And it was just obvious that you can't do, but so much in artistic integrity and letting the actors, um, uh, practice their craft that was, the, I honestly think that was the demise of that show, but it was obvious when the, um, the Dominion and the Jim Hadar, um, those particular scenes and who was actually writing that and the special effects team and the buy-in, because it was obvious that the, the original stars were not writing or directing any of that original stuff because the, it was a, definite difference between the first six seasons and that last season. And I'm just saying, stay in your lane. Um, if they had just kept with the original formula, um, and also the, how they, it was very obvious the, if they had just played up the Romulans effect, um, as far as, uh, fighting the war with the Dominion, um, and that probably would have made more sense to me, um, because if you tell me anything, the Romulans are more deadly and treacherous um, than um, any Cardassian or Jim Hadar. I'm just saying. But at the same time, if they had played that up um, and not gone off some deep end with the prophets, I think it would have been a better ending than the actual ending. And I'm going to have to relook at that because, um, again, it was very obvious that they, they didn't have the same writers in the last season as they did in the previous six seasons. I still liked it and I still watched it just because it was Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But at the same time, the quality of the storylines were kind of whack. Um, do I think they were as whacked as the third season of Discovery? Probably not. But what I would like to see, um, is more of the fight scenes that I got used to with Giorgio, if I can put that out there for Discovery. Um, and there, I think there are lessons learned if you would look and parallel um, that last season of Deep Space Nine compared to what they can and what they should consider doing for um, fourth season of um, Star Trek Discovery. Um, um, it's a question mark I still have with the series anchored by um, Christopher Pike and Spock. I don't know, y'all. I don't think I saw anything in the news as far as a drop date on that. Um, but I'm going to look forward to it. I'm also looking forward to Picard um, and seeing how they interact all of the next-gen cast in the next season of Picard and if they are as willing to bring back some of the DS9 um, characters um, back. Um, is there a place for the Dominion and the Jim Hadar in this, the 31st or 32nd se season? Maybe because you got to be a changeling and you got to be gangster to be able um, to survive in this, what it is, is this new norm. I wouldn't be shocked if we see some Jim Adar wrecking-ish in the 32nd century. I think it would be cool. Just like I would see the Rehorn Andorians, Cardassians, 
um, uh, and a couple of, uh, Klingons and the new Navarre folks wrecking ish and going for theirs. Who knows? But with that said, um, I think the next series, whatever it is, as far as Star Trek is going to be all of that in a bowl of grits. Um, and I'm just looking forward, um, to talking about it on my show. I wanted to end my broadcast or this recording with just some fresh beats and a, as a reminder for us to be kind to ourselves, be kind to our minds, and keep creating. I mean, there's just so much horrible things and mean things going on in the world. And this is not goodbye. This is just until we meet again or until I record and drop another episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Check me out on social media. Tinfro is reading on Instagram, TV Food Wine Girl on Twitter, and Tinfro is reading the book club. I hope to get into a better state of mind as we recover as a nation from just the tragic happenstance of the last several weeks. And again, I admonish you to be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Be the action that you want to be. If you want kindness, give kindness, exude kindness, and just love yourself and love others. And again, thank you for listening.